Welcome to Living With Lifestyle, the podcast that brings you a wealth of information, inspiration, and support on every aspect of living with MS. I'm your host, Kelly Wright, and I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. Before we dive in, let me share a bit about myself. My passion for this podcast stems from my own experiences with MS. Caring for my incredible mum, who bravely lived with MS, and receiving my own diagnosis at the age of 30. My goal is to create a space where we can all feel connected, understood, and supported. This podcast isn't just about me, it's about building a vibrant community where we can share stories, laugh together, and even shed a tear when we need to. It's about supporting each other through the unique, individual, and unpredictable journey of living with MS. Get ready for a diverse range of topics from medical experts and health and wellness professionals, corporate executives and HR experts. We'll be bringing you latest research insights, trending themes and resources on how to manage MS effectively. I'm so excited to embark on this incredible adventure with you all. Together, we'll gain confidence, knowledge and empowerment to create the lifestyles that truly support our wellness and aspirations. Welcome to Living With Lifestyle, a podcast that is based around community and friendship. My name is Kelly Wright, and today I am your guest. I'm going to be really brave and share a little bit of my story with MS from my earliest memory up to now. Probably going to miss out some things in between, and full disclosure that I may swear, I use comedy sometimes as a little bit of a self-defense thing we've got going on. Um, I get my words mixed around. That's part of the MS gifts that I am given. And to help me remember, because my short-term memory is absolutely shocking, you may see my eyes darting all over because I have beautiful cards to help me stay on track. but as you are getting to know me, I can never stay on track and I'll always go off on a tangent and share whatever is in my heart with you. So let's start, shall we? Now, my earliest memory of MS is probably, you know, being a child carer for my mum. My mum was diagnosed with primary progressive MS and that memory is of me going to school, kindergarten, nursery, whatever you want to call it, um, on my mum's electric wheelchair. And I thought, oh my God, this is the best way to travel. Like there's no other way to travel. Maybe that's why I didn't pass my driving test till I was 40, because I was so used to being uh, chauffeured around, whether that was a car or a wheelchair. Our house was full with rails and poles. And, you know, as a young kid who was ballet tap modern dancing I thought it was excellent I didn't absolutely you know had no uh, connection to that being not normal to give you context about mum you know she was diagnosed at 23 primary progressive MS and this is the 70s right so this is way back then where as my dad tells me you were really tested for everything And if everything didn't fit, 
you know, your diagnosis with MS was given. There were no disease modifying drugs. There were no um, no luxuries that <laughs> luxuries or necessities that we're given now. So my mum experienced a really vicious form of the disease. And as a family, as a child carer, you know, most days were worse than the days before. It was really tough. And I think up until high school, it was just my dad and I caring for mum and doing all of the things that we take for granted, feeding, cleaning, clothing, you know, mum's voice and body were completely taken from her because of MS. I remember when reaching high school and we were able to get some funding from the local government, which meant that we had nurses come in in the mornings and the evenings to prepare her for the day um, ahead or for the night ahead and, and to make her as comfortable as we possibly could. And those nurses truly had a positive effect. I mean, all of them, some of them may have been a bit dodgy, but most of them were you know, loving people that became part of our family. And, you know, I'm an only child. There was just dad and I. But all of a sudden, Saturday mornings, I would look forward to the nurses coming to get mum up for the day. My dad would go to the bakery to get donuts and coffee. And it became an event. And all of the nurses wanted to come and look after my mum because it was such, you know, we tried to make the best of it. And when I say we, my dad tried to make the best of it and tried to really, you know, include the nurses into our family and, and, you know, get extra support. And he needed the support, right? And a a man in the eighties with no support around him. and, And all of a sudden these experts were here to hold our hands through the process. And then I'm going to quote Sarah Jessica Parker. And just like that, our lives changed overnight. Mum died and within a moment, our lives completely changed. We had our, our, our process, our purpose had completely, you know, been ripped from us and probably a better probably there is a better term, but our jobs, our jobs had had disappeared. We had no clue how to get through the next day, week, month, years without having the anchor, which was mum. And now dad and I had never had like a conventional family relationship because mum was the heart of everything that we did. So we really had to make a decision of where to from now. And the thing that you will get to learn over the next, you know, however long we spend together with these podcasts is that dad and I are our biggest supporters. We absolutely trust, believe, support. Anything is possible and we can do it together. So we made that decision and you know, heartbreak, no matter what type of heartbreak, heartbreak can really diminish a relationship or a friendship. And, you know, having this heartbreak, we had to choose to make sure that we went through this together, even if, you know, and as a teenager, I was an absolute nightmare. That's another podcast all on its own. But, you know, we got through this together. 
And I saw a different side of my dad. I didn't quite realize at the age of 16, which is when mum passed, that my dad didn't just lose his mum, his wife that night. He had lost her twice. He'd lost her to the diagnosis of MS and the 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 journey that she, you know, viciously went on. And also he lost her when she lost her life. And I saw a different side to that. You know, being 16, I was still a teenager, but very much grown up. And I think that, you know, really changed my opinion of my dad and not changed my opinion of my dad, but supported, you know, how freaking awesome and amazing he had been to stick with us and stick with us as a family and give it a bloody good go till the end. And he did. So you can imagine 12 years later how hard it was for me to have a conversation with him that I had started to feel numbness um, and that my vision was a little bit blurry. And it was a tough one, right, because he's lost his wife and now his daughter is experiencing things that were so familiar to him. Went to my family doctor, said, hey, this is happening. The doctor said, right, let's get you scheduled in with a neurologist. You know what this could mean. And I absolutely didn't know what it meant. It seems weird, right? Because I've been living with MS until I was 16. I've had the the grief and loss of my mum and being still very aware of the MS community during this time. But it did not even enter my radar that I may have MS. We are told it is not a hereditary disease. And the doctor then, I was 28 at the time, gave me, Kelly, you're half your mom and half your dad, simple terms. So if there is something in there that is a connection, that is a, you know, a, a switch, we've got to get this looked at. So off I went. Off I went to the neurologist. The neurologist was actually the same neurologist that had um, cared and diagnosed my mum. And we probably had around 12 months of testing of MRIs, of electrical, of lumbar punctures. And I don't know if lumbar punctures are any easier, you know, whatever, however many years now, but they can't be easier. It's a bloody needle this big that they're putting into your spine. So probably still as painful as they were then, but it absolutely killed me. I had no clue. I'd never been a sick person. I'd had glandular fever. Note that for later, for when we get to another podcast around that. But I had, you know, I was being pulled and pricked and, you know, going through all of this emotion of MS and all of these rigorous testing to see whether it was something that I had. I was diagnosed. My neurologist had said to me, don't worry, you've got this. A recent study in Denmark has uh, 10% of the bodies that were donated to science after death they had MS and it was never recognized or um, added on their medical records. So, you know, chin up, you got this, you're young, you're healthy, have a Mediterranean diet and, you know, live your life. Hmm, I got this. My life is, I'm 30 years of age, still got no clue what I want to do. Mediterranean diet, love red wine, love me some fish, got this. Now, what we learn about MS is that it throws curveballs from all different angles. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is curveball number one. 
in the UK, which is where I was living at the time, because from my accent, I am British, it gets very cold. And what I've learned is my MS does not like the cold. So one winter's morning, I jump out of bed and hit the floor like a baby freaking elephant. My legs aren't working, complete numbness. It feels like I have, um, and it's taken me years to, to actually describe this. So it feels like I have a noodle from the swimming pool stuck in between my legs. That's what it feels like. I cannot push my legs together. I cannot move them. So off to the neurologist we go. And I have to put together a business case of why I should go or be considered for a disease-modifying drug called Rebif. And I do that. You know, I use every little bit of information that I can to get that funding for my medicine because I'm a high risk. My mum had a vicious relationship. I'm now diagnosed. We now have a, an attack or a flare. And we get on to Rebif, which is a, a self-injection drug that you inject three times a week. Now, the thing with Rebif and what how it affected me is that it gives you flu-like symptoms. Not a cold, not a sniffle, flu-like symptoms. So I adjusted my management of the disease to inject it in the evening. So hopefully I would take two paracetamol, go to sleep, wake up, still with flu-like symptoms, but, you know, there's no other choice. You get out of bed, it's saving your brain, and you just make shit happen for that day. So we live like that for a little bit. And then it happens again, another little attack. And now this was my first experience of steroids and what the, you know, the professionals, the experts give you to what they consider will condense the flare or the attack, whatever terminology you want to call it. I, I try to describe it as like it's a control alt delete on your system. But steroids make me absolutely crazy. And I'm a crazy girl most of the time, but they sent me off my rocker. I did not enjoy being high as a kite, super like flighty emotions, left, right, center. I thought, God, no, this is not for me. I cannot keep experiencing these attacks at certain times of the year. So I made a dramatic change. I had watched Neighbours, watched Home and Away. It's always sunny in Australia. Husband, boyfriend at the time, we're going to move to Australia. I had never been to Australia, but I just knew I had to focus on my wellness and putting myself into an environment that would look after me. So off to Australia we move. At this time, I'm getting my rebirth because it has to be um, stored in a cold temperature, flown in every month um, from the UK to Australia because I had no clue, because I had no, um, no community, no network. Um, I was a little, still a little um, guarded 
with my disease. So I didn't really talk too much about it to people that could help me. I mean, I told my organization um, and things like that, but I didn't know I didn't know how the disease would progress and I didn't have the resources to find out who I should connect with. So I moved to Australia, all is well, sunny. I'm in Sydney, sunny Sydney, love this. Probably after about two years, um, I knew I had to see a neurologist, right? I was here two years, I couldn't keep paying for my medicine to come in from the UK. I needed on the ground support to look after us. And I found an amazing neuro in um, New South Wales, Dr. John Parrott. He, he just changed my world. He took me off Rebif and he said to me, like, you know, there's so much more now. Let's really talk about a plan that keeps you safe, you know, that focuses on your needs, your lifestyle, um, and how you can really manage and live with your disease. Love that. All words that I thought, yeah, let's do this. So we moved to Jelenia. Jelenia. Pop a pill a day. I mean, I can do that. That's not even like keeping you safe, right? That's not telling you that you've got some chronic illness. That's just popping a pill like you pop, you know, magnesium or, or whatever. So loved it. Was on it for six months. Started looking at... Um, how to look after my disease, like the management of MS, how the gut and the immune system for me has such a um, such an effect on the wellness, um, how to manage my fatigue. I suppose I was really conscious that being in a corporate environment and I am super sales driven um, and career driven that MS did move my words around a lot. See how I did that, the moving of my words and would flip them around. So I had to really be careful with my sentences and and use tools on the computer to make sure that my uh, emails were making sense and they were, you know, that, that they were correct and that I wouldn't be looked at as that just being, you know, an uneducated person from the UK that I knew what I was talking about. So we went on to with Jelenia. And then um, Jelenia hit me hard. I um, had a, 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 an effect or a flare-up that I didn't put two and two together at first. And this is what you'll notice with me and others who have been speaking to. We never, when anything happens to us, mentally or physically, our, our first thought is not, that's because of MS. We don't put it down to MS. We will find every other reason, like with my diagnosis. So I slept strangely. That's why I can't feel anything from my uh, knees down, my hips down. Oh, I've scratched my eye. That's really an optic neuritis. So no, it's not a scratch. And then I had complete numbness in, in my face. So I made an appointment with my dentist. You can tell where this is going. Uh, my dentist's uh, name was Tony. I was like, Tony, I think I've got a really bad infection in my tooth. Um, I needed a filling, which I knew about. And I said, look, have a look because it's making all of my face numb. And, you know, and I don't know whether Tony just pitied me or was impressed with my my creativeness that he just, you know, one, one arm on me and was like, Kel, this, this isn't a dental problem. This is a nerve problem. You probably need to go to your neurologist. So I did. 
went to the neurologist and said, hey, look at this. He said, okay, you've been on Gilenia for six months. Let's, uh, let's have an MRI and let's, you know, see the results. The results come back that I had an active um, new scar at the bottom of my um, brain, which is, you know, which he's, his advice was like, yep, okay, there's a connection there. We need to take you off of Jelenia. Now, I don't know if you know about this, and I may have said this before, but although every single neuro I've had, I absolutely respect and think they're amazing. There is nothing worse than going to the neurologist, in my opinion, for me, because it it is the only thing that tells me I have MS. Everything else I can adapt, I can live with. But when I go to a specialist and they need to tell me something like your MS is progressing, your MS isn't responding, you have X, Y, and Z. It's like being diagnosed all over again. So being told that Jelenia, my second drug, was not fit for me and we had to look at a more invasive treatment destroyed me. Like I was, I, I was lucky. I was happy-go-lucky, popping a pill a day like, what the fuck is that about? It's easy. Two, we are going to put you on a um, disease management drug called Tysabri. You will need to go to the hospital every four weeks for this infusion. And I absolutely broke down. I remember going out for dinner with two, a couple of hours um, and I just cried my fucking heart out in that restaurant because I was so, I was so upset. I was grieving and it's all selfish and in hindsight now, you know, there's, we've been through worse things than this, but I was so upset that I, that this quick and easy way of managing a chronic illness was not fit for me. And Ty Sabri did not play nice for me at the beginning. You know, I dreaded going to the hospital. My, I only have one good vein and that as the, the nurses called it, hit a wall. And the bruises of putting in, um, you know, the, the, the site to, to take in the infusion, I, I felt like I was 80 years old. The bruises would cover all of my arms. I would go to work looking and feeling terrible, like I'm bruised all over my body. I remember we got a, we won a trip from a work perspective to go to Noosa and I'm living in Sydney, right? So going to the Sunshine Coast was a dream. And I, you know, going to a fancy restaurant and I'm wearing a short sleeve dress and my, just my arms were covered in bruises. And it was just, you know, horrible that people were looking at me for something other than who I actually am. And I had to explain to those people of why I was covered in bruises. But just like that, it changed overnight. And my body loved it. Like we got our vibe. The nurses knew they, they found their rhythm when injecting me. I loved going to, you know, the, the hospital every four weeks. And I just thought, yeah, this is, this is great. I could work from there. It was, you know, half a day, took my laptop, could, you know, make shit happen and just lay on a bed drinking hospital tea and having the odd sandwich. Perfect. 
And I thought this is a really good time to start looking at my life and start giving back more to our community. I'd always, you know, my husband had done the Sydney to Gong bike ride for the last, every year that we were in Sydney. I always classed myself as chief recruiter, fundraiser, head of marketing, head of logistics, because I didn't do those activities, but I would absolutely get a team of people together, you know, working for my organization is a very social organization and they are so freaking supportive. When someone's got a problem, it's jump on board, like what can we do? And I think I had around 25 people taking part of the Sydney to Gong ride. It was freaking awesome. And, you know, we were raising $3,000, $5,000 each time. And then my friend Rebecca Thomas tagged me in something on Facebook that said, walk the Great Wall of China for MS. And I just kept on scrolling. I thought, absolutely no way. I'm not leaving my family and my my husband, my dogs, my friends and my work to go to China. And then I had to have a quick chat with myself, like, you can do this. Do this for people that can't do this and go and raise some fucking money. So I did. Four of my best friends jumped on the bandwagon with me. They trusted that this was going to be like the best experience. Um, And we walked the Great Wall of China for MS. We were part of the um, Soulful Connections group. There were 16 of us in total. And we raised over $120,000, I think. It was the best thing that I have ever done to push myself out of my comfort zone, leave my medical, my support teams at home and put myself into a new situation, which also opened the doors to meeting people in Australia living with MS and seeing and speaking to these three awesome ladies that actually they did not, they, we spoke without judgment, without solution I didn't have to explain anything. I could ask random questions and sanity check things that, you know, I I had thought were normal <laughs> until speaking to these girls and we were like, yeah, we feel like this. This is what's happened to us. I didn't have to listen. No offense to all of my friends who have ever said this to me about your uncles, cousins, best friends, dog who's got MS and, you know, I don't need that connection. I know it makes you feel comfortable that you understand what I'm going through, but that person with MS doesn't even understand what I'm going through. And that's our connection that we are so different. We get it and you don't get it until you get it. So, so, you know, ask me how I'm doing and stuff. I like all of that, but speaking to people with MS just gives you like this, I know this, this inner confidence. And I just thought, This is strangely familiar and refreshing. And I had never really built a community of other MS warriors or fighters to to connect with. But I came back from China with knowing three awesome powerhouse women who who are living with MS. And I thought it's time to push the dial. Like I have to, I have to do more, I have to be more, I have to give more. And before I can do all of that, I need to make sure that I am set up for success. 
and we decided to, we, me, husband, dogs, decided to move to Queensland. I had started to feel the winter in Sydney and I had to, like, I'm going to follow the sun. I'm going to die, like, on the equator, I think, but had to follow the sun. So we moved to Queensland, moved to Northern Gold Coast. And um, from here, I, I really did connect with my MS fighters and they gave me, I suppose, a lot of courage of what the, the future was going to or go into the future. You know, there's a lot of skills that I have in HR and recruitment and I have a lot of passion um, and knowledge around MS that I thought, right, what can we do? What, how can I support others? Can I coach people going through? Can I um, be part of a community? And this is where living with lifestyle kind of kind of resonate like began because I was thinking about what more could I do to support the community and then another curveball I went for my normal checkup with my neurologist and I was pumped right I was so pumped I remember my family were over from the UK we had my um 43rd birthday being hosted in our house I was so like top of my game work going great I'm flying up the corporate ladder I'm building teams of fucking awesome people and then my neurologist says how are you feeling I'm like oh my god I'm so good like life is great he was like "Uh uh-huh 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 well we need to have a conversation because we always knew that with Ty Sabri, there was a risk to become JCV positive, and we need to talk about that. Oh my God, my fucking world fell, fell around me. For those of you listening, the JC virus is a virus that is in all of us. It is, um, it can progress into PML, which is a disease that affects your brain and kills you. So this was a huge shock. And of course, all I keep going to is the kill you. And I tried to, you know, think about it in, okay, so, you know, while it's positive, that's okay, but we can't ever put ourselves in situations that could trigger that virus and Ty Sabri does. And what he went to tell me about next was the other options because remember Jelenia didn't work there's other drugs like Jelenia but that didn't work and we didn't really want to try something in the same kind of group that that could not work so the options were Lemtrada and Ocrevus and he gave me a high level overview of what those needed and to be honest in that moment it was just all going in one ear and out the other, like I had no fucking clue what I wanted to do. And I remember coming home from that appointment and all my family are here, you know, my grandkids are here and all of that. And I just thought, I can't share this. Like I cannot give this emotion to them. So I just, like I get, not that I'm going to cry, but I get emotional thinking about this because it was such a, like, a next step in the progression of MS or my MS. So I put all of that aside and enjoyed them being here for three or four weeks. It was, you know, having family is great when they visit and they give you um, they give you the energy that you need to keep on and to build a better life for the future generations, right? So I kept doing that. 
And I really thought about the pros and cons of Lemchada versus Ocrevus and what would fit in with my lifestyle. So I chose Ocrevus and I um, actually tomorrow is my second infusion of Ocrevus. Ocrevus is a six monthly infusion that kills your white blood cells. You know, I don't need to tell you what killing somebody's white blood cells does to them, but that's what happens to people on Ocrevus every six months. So we're gearing up for tomorrow. I've been super healthy. I've been having armor force. I don't know if it works, but I'm I'm mentally and physically prepared to um, have my infusion tomorrow. And once I've made the decision of having Ocrevus, I just thought, right, living with lifestyle has to launch now. We need it to be more than a hat company or a, oh, look, I'm on the opposite screen, T-shirt company. It needs to be a community of strength, of support, of knowledge, of experience, of no judgment, of sitting in the mud together. And how can I do that? Yes, I can start Facebook groups and stuff, but I need to get messages out to people and I need to speak with health experts, medical experts, lifestyle experts. I need to bring the stories of people living with MS to the people living with and supporting those with MS for us to connect and feel, what was the term that I used earlier, to feel strangely familiar and refreshed that we're not in this alone. And that's brought me to today. And I really wanted to take this time to say thank you to everybody who has bought a hat, bought a t-shirt, please keep doing that. You know, being involved with the Living With Lifestyle website and listening to the podcast and sharing the podcast and commenting on it and offering up your stories and your services to our community because that's the only way people like me and you are going to get through this together building a community of hope, of strength, of true honesty of the shit times and the good times, right? That's what we need to do. So I wanted to give a little bit of me today to you to say thank you to that and by being brave and sharing, you know, my journey with MS. And I'm really open. And if anybody wants to connect with me because you're going through something similar or you may have lost your mum or your dad or your partner, or your sister, or a friend to MS, like I'm, we're here for you. I can hold your hand through it. I can't tell you how it's, you're never going to get over it, but I can help you get through it. And that's what I wanted to do today. So thank you for listening. Um, I really appreciate your time and keep shining bright, everybody. Now, I would love your help. This is an important show and we want to touch as many people as we possibly can living with MS or supporting those with MS. And I need your help to do that. Can you please write a review on the Apple app? Can you share this podcast on social media? By doing that, we're going to get out with global domination. That's what we want. We want to create a community of people thriving with MS. If you can do that for me, the first five people that send me the screenshot of their review and the uh, social media repost, re-like, whatever it is, you will get sent by me with love, one of our Living With Hats in white with the grey logo 
or black with the vibrant orange logo. How awesome are these hats? And just by liking this podcast or sharing it and and writing a review on the app, you will get sent one, the first five people to do that. Please, can you do that for me? Thank you for joining me on this episode of Living With Lifestyle. I'm grateful for each and every one of you, our dedicated listeners who make this podcast a true community of strength and empowerment. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to hit that follow subscribe button on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with our latest episodes. And if you can, leave a review or rating that will help others find the show. You can also connect with us on social media at Living With Lifestyle for even more engaging content and discussions. Or head to our website, livingwithlifestyle.com. All the links are in the episode notes. Thank you again for being part of this incredible community. Until next time, keep shining bright and living life to the fullest. This is Living With Lifestyle, signing off.